0: Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Hello, and welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. I am very excited about our episode today. I have a longtime colleague and friend, Mr. Jim Roddy, on the show with us today, who I know you are going to learn a ton about regarding leadership, leadership transition. Um, making the most out of his career, making the most out of his position um, and the impact that he can provide to others. I have seen it time and time and again. I've known Jim for about 12, almost 13 years now through the RSPA, which is a retail solution providers association. Um, back when Jim was a president of uh, Business Solution Magazine, um, I knew him then. And then he also transitioned positions and helped coach my previous employer, North Country Business Products, as we were transitioning into managed services. So I got to see him from that perspective. He also is a previous chair of the RSPA board, as am I. And so I've been connected to him through the board. And now as a CEO of the RSPA and my continued involvement in the association, I continue to be involved with Jim. So as I was thinking, back and how how long we've known each other and the different avenues we've known each other. Um, it's quite extensive, Jim. So I was really excited to have you on the podcast. I've been on your podcast and so I'm honored that you are here today. And like we always do with our guests, I want you just to kick us off by telling us your story, a little bit about who you are and, and your story of what got you to where you are today.
1: Sure. Happy to. Thank you for having me. It's right. We've seen each other from like every angle, right? <laughs> On stage, behind the scenes, working together, working for each other, things like that. So Uh, No, looking forward to today. Thank you. So I'll I'll try to give my story, I guess, 30 years in 60 seconds, uh, if I could. So I'll go back to when I was in college at Gannon University, a Division II uh, small uh, Catholic college here in Northwest Pennsylvania. And so I'm from Erie. uh, I'm an Erie native, so born and raised. And so I walked on to the men's basketball team there. So I was a non-scholarship person with a whole bunch of guys, way taller, way more athletic than me. But not only was I on the basketball team. I was also on the student newspaper at the time. And then while I was in college, a pro basketball team came to town. And so I became the intern for that team as well. They had a uh, a summer league is is when they played. And then for my senior year, um, I actually stopped working for the newspaper. I was still playing on the basketball team. But then I was the full-time public relations director for the Erie Wave. So going to school, basketball, and having a full-time job uh, at the same time. And then while I was there, uh, one of the general manager actually launched a newspaper that seemed pretty interesting. The basketball team came crashing down, the entire league did. And so when I was 23, I picked up and relaunched that newspaper. And so I was a entrepreneur for, for five and a half years on my own business. But after 80 hour work weeks and eating nothing but SpaghettiOs uh, for lunch and dinner, right, that was pretty much all that I can afford. Uh, the office park that I was in down the hallway was a technology magazine publisher, and they ended up bringing me on board. I joined as a managing editor, moved up to operations manager, was there for 17 years. You mentioned Business Solutions Magazine was one of our titles that we had. While I was there, I published a book on hiring best practices called Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer. I'm a 20-year colon cancer survivor. That led to me doing kind of uh, informal business coaching with a lot of RSPA members, and then I thought, I wonder if I could do this full time. And then one of the vendors in the space brought me on board full time as a uh, as a business coach to coach their small business partners. I did that for about three years until that organization uh, ended up making some changes. I came to the RSPA. I had been a volunteer for, like you said, you know, a decade uh, or so. I came on board as the vice president of marketing and as a business coach for their members. I also, in the middle of that, wrote a second book called The Walk-On Method to uh, Career and Business uh, Success. And then recently, earlier this year, beginning of 2022, the CEO retired. And so now I am uh, the president and CEO uh, of the RSPA, and then also figuring out exactly how we're gonna still do uh, the business coaching aspect as well. So might've gone a little more than 30 been 60 seconds, but that was 30 years crammed into a nutshell.
0: That was pretty good, and this is exactly why I wanted to have Jim on to talk about leadership transitions, successful transitions, lessons learned with transitioning, because you've done a lot in your 30-year career, and I know you have a lot more to come. Um, As you look at being a two-time author, student newspaper, launching a newspaper, entrepreneur, coaching and consulting, CEO, you've done a lot of different things, and I know you've learned a lot. So as you kind of look back at the different careers you've had and different experiences you've had, what would you say is a leadership moment that has really shaped you and kind of formed the leader that you are today?
1: So I'll talk about two and I think you know. I tend to learn from mistakes, and the the two brothers that I work for at Corey Publishing, they preach that all the time. People would say, "You guys are geniuses. How did you learn how to do this stuff?" And they'd say, "Well, we did it wrong seventeen times, and then finally figured out uh, what it was." And so, one that I have, I this is very early on when I was with that Erie Wave Pro Basketball team. Uh, the general manager was across the hallway. They had a player that they had cut, and the player was they wanted him to board the plane, and he said, "I want my final check. Like I've been through this." before. I know I might get stiff for the check. And the receptionist was like, oh, the GM, he's on the other line. He's on the other line. Oh, now he's off the line. I'm sure he'll come over and get you. Well, he never came over. She went to get him. He snuck out the back door. And I remember that player like flipping out. And you can imagine why he was completely irate. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, I had a lot of respect for that guy, but that was cowardly. Like there's no other word that you can yeah. put on. And I just, you know, it's almost like no to self, never, ever do that. Um, Another thing that I went through, this is when I was at uh, President Jameson Publishing, we went through the recession, you know, back in 08, 09. And when we had to do the first round of layoffs, I still remember having to announce to the team, we laid off like 11 of your coworkers, your friends, right? People you'd work side by side with through no fault of their own just because of the way finances were. And employees were in the dark about it. And I remember one employee specifically like just laser beams, like staring right through me, like how could you do that? And so like those two, those two things together made me realize like don't beat around the bush, don't wait for everything to be perfect, right? Don't just be optimistic, lay out the ugly options and the optimistic options as soon as you can. And like the only way that you can exist and have an enjoyable job as a leader as a team member is if you have a culture of candor and it's better to talk sooner about what could possibly be ugly and what could be good than just cross your fingers and hope that it goes better. Just try to avoid the pain. I'm actually in the middle of reading a book called the beauty of discomfort. Um, and so I think that relates to this in terms of as uncomfortable as it can be, it's the right way to go. Sometimes, especially as a leader, you're either going to have the uncomfortable now, or it's going to be way more uncomfortable later. So it might as well be candid right from the get go.
0: Yeah. And what I love about what you're saying is we talk about this all the time with our clients with change management and being very transparent with the change and talking about here's what we know is going to happen. Here's what we know for sure is not going to happen. And here's what we don't know. Right. There's there's always an element of the unknown. And just to be very candid about that up front and say, Here's what, could, what here's what we know is going to go well. Here's what we're not sure. We could have some issues that happen here, but also here's what's not going to happen, right? It's important to say that too. Yeah. And a lot of times here's what's not going to happen is we're not going to stop, right? If we're rolling out a new CRM system or something, we're not going to stop doing this. We're going to have issues. We're going to have bumps in the road, but we're not yeah. going to go back on this and take it away, right? Like we're going to plug through it. We're going to make this happen. And as you can communicate as early and often as possible and as transparent as possible, even though it's uncomfortable, because often as leaders, we don't know all the answers as we go through the process. That's the best way to do it. And that's how you build trust. And I know that that's been a big part of of your journey too, and and building that trust because you're able to be candid with people and and share the information that they might not want to hear, but need to hear so that we're all
1: going in eyes wide open. Yeah, I, so like a few things jump to mind or one is let people know what they're going through as they're going through it, as we're going through it, right? Don't wait until the very end. The opposite of doing that is what I call jack-in-the-box management, right? Dun, 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 and all of a sudden, boom, yeah. something pops out and people are just completely <laughs> uh, surprised by it. And so to me, there that's, like you said, the way to build trust is to just be really open in terms of what we're going through and talking about the degrees of messiness, right? Like it would yeah. be great if business was like, like, it is on TV where everything just follows into a nice, neat path. But if you talk to people about, Hey, we're doing something new. We haven't quite figured this out. It's going to be messy. We're not going to have it be a complete, you know, Mess, I was going to use some vulgarity here, but you know, I mean, you can fill in the blank there, but you don't want it to be that way. But you can tell people this isn't going to be neat because we're figuring it out, and they'll understand as long as you're up front with them and, and you're in earnest trying to make it uh, as less messy as possible.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's the same thing we do with our kids, we don't think they can handle it in many situations, but the truth is they can yeah. and they want to hear what's going on. It's actually going to make it easier in the long run if they know the truth up front the cold, hard, ugly truth, whatever it might be, people can handle it. They really can. And so often we try to shield people. And there, I mean, sure, there's some things that you still might not need to say everything, yeah. but as much as you can share and, and feel comfortable doing so, I think it's it's going to help in the long run.
1: Yeah, well said.
0: So this is a Superpower Success podcast, and so we always ask, what do you consider to be one of your superpowers? You know, one of those top leadership strengths that's just, it's a natural ability, kind of energizes you, you feel good when you're doing it, um, something that you might look at others and, and say, well, everyone can do this. It's easy, but it's not easy for everyone. It's easy for you because it's a superpower. So what's one of those top superpowers for you?
1: Yeah, I'd say this might sound a little odd, but it would be not immediately concluding and not assuming, even though I still do that sometimes, but I guess based on my background, like I talked about earlier in terms of I work for the student newspaper, I've worked in communications, you know, my whole career, you don't assume you have the whole story when you're writing for a newspaper, you have to dig and ask and then question, do I really have everything? Because if you put out a story that's half-baked, you're going to learn the hard way uh, with that. And so that's kind of led me to uh, inclined to start asking questions as opposed to leading with conclusions, right? And and then listening, uh, you know, actually listening as opposed to just asking this question, because I have to, and having that really shape uh, what what you're doing. So obviously, you know, at times there were times where I think I'm 100% certain that I'm walking into this. And then you're like, Oh, I did learn something uh, different uh, with that. So I think that is something that has really, you know, shaped me in terms of, and that ties in with the, uh, the, you know, the hiring book that I published as well, and why I had some success with hiring. I didn't just look at somebody's resume and draw a quick conclusion. It was like, we got to get more data, more data, more data before the decision becomes a little bit uh, more obvious. So I don't know if that's quite a superpower, but that uh, it's actually worked for me uh, over the last 30 plus years.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is because that is not something that comes naturally to, I would say most people, a lot of people rather just make an assumption, move on because it's the quick and dirty version, right? Let's just get it done, move on where your version takes time. Um, but in the long run, you're going to have, it's it's our philosophy of, of stop mowing dandelions, right? Don't just keep mowing over, hoping that you're going to get to the solution, dig down to the root cause, keep asking the questions, solve for that, figure out what's really going on before you move on. So it's a, I think it's a great, great philosophy to have and a great superpower. So I'm curious you know, in the role you're in today um, in an association that is, you know, based off of membership um, and and exhibitors and in-person events and, you know, with everything that's rapidly changing, how have you really been able to utilize kind of your superpower of of digging in and not assuming and and asking all those questions? How How have you used that over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, I guess it ties in with what we just talked about where one data point is one data point. It's not the entire answer. And so you do have to recognize it. Um, as that. And so uh, in the role of, you know, from the RSP CEO, again, since I've been on the board, you know, I've been working with the CEOs over the years and studying the position and it has, I don't want to say political because that makes people think it's politics and you're telling, you know, you're pandering to one group and not to another, but you do have multiple constituencies, right? You have the team, you have Mm -hmm. your members, and we have all sorts of different members, as you know, right? The value added resellers, the software developers, the payment processors, the distributors, the hardware manufacturers. You have a way different, you know, a very uh, varying group of individuals. So you can't just listen to one or two people and yeah. then go and run with it. You've got to try and, and figure out all these different uh, other angles in there. And so that's what I've used it to do in terms of listening, listening, investigating, again, not assuming. And then one of those is, um, like, I had some assumptions is, you know, I had to walking into the job in terms of, here's how the CEO job should be, here's the most important, here's the order that it should be in. But I've realized that I've had to rearrange some of those, or outsource some of those or delegate some of those things, because if I don't control my activities, the activities will control me and so that has been a big part of the investigation in terms of understanding what is the highest and best use of everybody in the organization And that includes me. I can't just do whatever I like to do, or what I don't want to do, or what keeps me busy. Um, And so that's a big part of it as well, where we're constantly investigating, um, you know, different things inside and outside the organization, and trying to put the whole puzzle uh, together one piece at a time. And we have a piece of scissors and tape that we can cut and change the pieces if we want, right? As opposed to just figuring out where where the spaces go. So it's a challenge, but I'm, I'm. part of a great, great team. And we've all been rolling up our sleeves and doing it together. And that's what's been great. It's not just for me to determine, everybody's looking and saying, what's the answer? We're all figuring it out together.
0: Yeah, and we'll dig into that a little bit later too and and how you've gone about that and the success you've had with that and and why you think it's so important. Um, But before we do that, I wanna ask, what is a superpower that you're trying to develop that you know is not a strength of yours, but you know it's a valuable strength that you're trying to, to really strengthen that muscle?
1: I'd say patience, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, from you and me working together, right? Deadline oriented, urgency oriented, let's get this thing done. Um, I have a visceral reaction if things are on my to-do list and they're languishing for too long, I actually end up calling that my disappointment list, right? As opposed to eh, things I'll get to whenever. But I'm realizing as I've been going through this transition, there are times where I need to let things bake and let people think and let people take... Mm -hmm a quarter step at a time or one step at a time, as opposed to want to, hey, hundred meter dash, let's get to the finish line and move on to the next thing. So, and people can probably tell by as quickly as I talk, uh, I probably need to try to slow that down uh, (laughs) uh, as well. So I'd say patience is something that I'm trying to develop in the appropriate spots uh, inside the business.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I talk about this in the concept of it's a marathon, the marathon effect right as leaders we've often we've been thinking about this we've been training for this we've been practicing for this we've been researching talking whatever for months sometimes years and so we're at mile you know 24 of the marathon where a lot of our employees they they're like tying their shoes still right like they have no idea what's going on and so we need to lessen that gap they're never going to be where you're at because they just can't be, but they can be a lot closer to where you're at. And so just thinking about that kind of marathon effect, I know has resonated with a lot of people and it's having that patience, meeting them where they're at, helping them along the path, along that journey to get closer to where you're at. So you can all be on the same page and, and moving forward.
1: Yeah. And if I can just say, so a friend of ours, Mark Olson, uh, retired uh, president of of APG Cash Roar would always say when people want things to move faster, he would say, well, you know, it's a journey, right? And he would start off with that. And as long (laughs) as we're moving forward and an old boss of mine, Terry Peterson, you know, when I would say, we need to fix this thing now, he would say, as long as our next quarter is better than our previous quarter and we're moving in the right direction, like let's focus on that as opposed to trying to slam everything together at once. So uh, clearly patience has not been something that I uh, have just learned I need to develop That's It's it's been a lifelong struggle.
0: Yeah. And I think most of us need to work on patience. So you're not, you're not alone in that one. So looking at leadership from a broader perspective, how would there's hundreds, thousands probably of definitions for leadership. What is your definition of leadership?
1: I go with a really simplistic one that people follow you. You do not get to anoint yourself a leader. You do not get to say, I'm a good leader. It's, up to the other people, because leadership is all just about people following you and doing uh, the right thing. And so that's, I guess, you know, the headline of it. Um, The underneath it is there's a document that I've used, we uh, the uh, owners of Jameson Publishing, Rick and Terry Peterson, developed it, they actually have it online at Peterson Brothers, which is their website. If you search for character is destiny, it's a list of 17 character traits that have really withstood the test of time. In fact, I have the list always handy right in front of me just off to the side here. And it comes from 500 B.C., so it clearly has withstood uh, the test of time. But it talks about the behaviors that define character and that, you know, it has prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, ambition, work ethic kindness, responsibility. Like, I won't go through uh, all of them. The full list is in my book, How You Like It Just Be Cancer, available on Amazon. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, it's on the Peterson's website as well. But that has really been the guide for me as an individual to become a better leader, a better person in every aspect of your life, right? Like, as a parent, you're a leader. As a spouse, you and your spouse are both leaders. You're leading each other one way or the other. As a team member, you're a leader. As a you know, CEO, you're a leader as a junior person, like you are leading people, and you're giving them the opportunity to either get inspired by you, or for them to run away when they see you walking down the hallway. So again, it to me, it all really comes down to that character. And then are people following you and go in the right direction?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times leaders don't understand the magnitude of what it means to be a leader. They think, oh, that's the next step in, you know, in, on my journey. That's the next step on the ladder is to become a leader. And they want it more because of the title or the position than truly understanding the impact that it has on those around them. It's the whole conscious leadership concept and really thinking about how do my actions and behaviors impact everyone around me and just understanding that it's a big deal to be a leader. And I think what you're saying and your know, character is destiny and in these behaviors that define character is it's it's important and it's not easy and we need to have that continuous we talked about this before we got on on air here is it's a continuous journey and a continuous improvement mindset we're never checked done we've got leadership you know dialed in and figured out it's we need to keep working on this and so um i love that definition i think that's great yes
1: yeah, so no leader we, no leadership finish line it's, no uh, there's it's like not. a merry-go-round that never stops
0: yes that we don't get dizzy on I can't do (laughs) Mary. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So as you look at um, the challenges that that all of us are facing right now, there's a lot of things that most businesses are facing like hiring and supply shortages and things like that. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing either in your role, or within the RSPA? And how are you tackling them?
1: The good thing is I'm not stepping into like a turnaround situation, right? We have a very strong team. Uh, The finances are really solid. The business model, you know, is working. It's not like, man, this thing's headed, you know, off uh, Niagara Falls or anything like that. And so I say the biggest challenge is how do we stimulate consistent growth? And so you know, how do you figure that out and so we've been studying our business model other business models talking with the community talking with the team testing out our model uh, we created as you saw at our last board meeting our flywheel mm-hmm. that we talk about you know from jim collins like what are the things that really drive our association, and then making sure we're working with the team once we figure all those things out to create systems so we can produce this consistently, efficiently, and we're not wasting our time on internal things, and we're really focusing on those things that we know can actually drive uh, growth in, in order to do it. And so part of the way that we're doing that is embracing critical thinking. And mm-hmm. so this goes back to uh, like, when you're talking about leading, like it reminds me of coaching. Like I used to coach kids, uh, my little brother, I coached fifth grade through 11th grade in basketball, Go to coach, got to coach my daughter, you know, all the way from when she was playing soccer and, and basketball and all that. And so as you get to the higher levels, you don't just teach kids do this and then do that and do that. You teach them how to read the situation and then they can adjust to it. And that's when, really good things uh, happen and that's when they can go on to bigger and better things and they end up playing in high school and college and they really enjoy it. So taking that back to a work situation, if you talk a lot about critical thinking as opposed to do this and do that, right, if they can read the situation, if everybody understands the principles and we can develop best practices and then build upon it and adjust, right, that's when I think really the magic ends up happening. So, you know, we're studying what really makes our business tick and then how can we read and adjust to really get all pistons firing as opposed to it just being up to one person or two people or somebody else, you know, the board telling us uh, what to do to go forward. So that's a big challenge. Again, I know we're not going to figure that out in Q1 uh, 2022, you know, it's going to take some time, but we're going to keep working on that. And again, that's another, I guess, merry-go-round thing to keep figuring out how do you not just take the growth that comes your way? How do you actually stimulate consistent growth uh, within your business model in your organization?
0: Yeah, and I think that is so true. So often we create these processes or these systems and we say, this is how you do it. And people operate as robots and just do as a system says. And sometimes we need to buck the system, we need to skip a few steps, we need to rearrange the steps. And using that critical thinking is important. And this goes back to leadership and leadership saying, it's okay. It's okay to think in your job. It's okay to maybe do things a little differently if we think it's in the best interest of the client or the customer or the member or whomever it might be. And so I think that leader setting the stage and providing that environment, that culture where it's comfortable to do that, and they know they're not going to get reprimanded if they make a mistake, um, is really, really important. And in the end, you're going to end up a lot better, have a happier End result: happier client, happier member, whatever it might be. Um, at the end of the day, so it's there's a lot of um, a lot of good that can come out of it. A lot of people just see the negative of oh, we're gonna failures and things are gonna go wrong. And well, yeah, that might happen. But to your point you fail 16 times and then you learn how to do it right that 17th time. So that's the same process we need to help our, our people go through as well.
1: If you don't mind, I'll tell a quick story and you'll like this, because I don't know if you've heard the, the punchline of this. So uh, we talked about going into our Inspire event, which was held in late January. We need to do more for the RSPA scholarship fund, which helped funds the, you know, the college education of, of some of our members. And so we said, well, let's do something on the main stage and I won't get into all the details of what we did, but it's just almost silly. If anybody donates, you get a chance to win a sash you know it's something silly what it was but so we raised some money through that but that got some attention going but then also we had an excursion that got canceled because of the weather well people had already paid the money one member said um you know what instead of refunding it why don't you just donate to the scholarship fund right so the scholarship thing was top of mind and then he told ashley nagy our vp of member services ashley didn't just say i am going to process your refund she said I wonder if other people would be open to doing this. So everybody who was on that tour, we said, hey, you have a choice. Do you want the money back? Or do you want us to donate it to the scholarship fund? About half the people said donate to the scholarship fund. So because of her critical thinking of understanding what the outcome was yeah. and doing lateral thinking, we raised almost $3,000 oh at that event for the scholarship fund, right? And it was, there was nothing on a sheet of paper that said when you run into the situation, here's what you do, but her applying that critical thinking. So this is where anything that, you know, when I'm doing business coaching, I try to teach a critical thinking that should be on top of the systems. The systems yeah. shouldn't be the ceiling. They should be the foundation you build on top of that. So I thought you would, and your listeners, I would find that story interesting in terms of how do you actually apply this? Yeah. And how do you, does your team apply that? I just thought that was a great example of, of Ashley embracing critical thinking and lateral thinking.
0: And I was on the receiving end of that email because I was supposed yeah. to be on that excursion that got canceled. And I was like, well, that's a genius idea, Ashley. And I told her that I'm like, great idea. Of course, I'll donate my money to the scholarship fund. What a great idea. So yeah, that was very, very good use of critical thinking. So the next thing I want to jump into here is really about your transitioning into this CEO role. And you've probably done this in other roles as well, but I'm just more familiar with what you've been doing as you've transitioned into the CEO role at the RSPA and doing what I call a listening tour with your team, just really going around and listening and hearing and understanding and digging into where is everyone at, what are their thoughts, what are their opinions. Um, so tell me a little bit about your motivation behind this and what it's taught you about your position, the organization and leadership in general.
1: Yeah, so I say in a lot of my presentations and coaching and things like that, there's no substitute for a competent person Getting closer to situation, right? There is nothing better than that. There's no report, right? There's no video you can watch. There's no book you can read. There's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to situation. So you have to have, I guess, some level of competence to think you are a competent person, right? And that you're so you can go and get and get closer to it. Uh, but I can say, like, from diving in, even though I was asking a lot of questions, you know, leading up to the time that they asked me to be CEO, I would have bet money on things that I quote unquote new. But then once you dig into them, there are nuances that you're like, oh, I didn't understand that history, or I didn't understand that was the best practice, or I didn't understand you had that skill set, or I didn't understand you had the desire to do these other things. And so I'm, you're really going back and treating a lot of the things that I'm approaching so far, like the hiring interview. So instead of concluding based on, again, one data point is just one data point, it's not the answer. So by suspecting, and either going in and confirming or disproving what I was suspecting and also being neutral about it. That's one thing about the interview yeah. process. Like I would talk to people and after a while they're like, I really hope so-and-so works out. And I'd always be like, if they work out great, if they don't, they don't. Right in yeah. the interview process, I'm completely neutral. The data is gonna determine what it is. So I feel like I'm very much in that mode with a lot of things that I'm doing and going back into that patience thing where I wanna get to the answer right away, I have to realize go get more data or else you're gonna be you know, running in the wrong direction or or, or moving in, in an area you shouldn't be. You're gonna be moving fast we're going to have to then double back and and do the right thing. So again, there's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to situation. I'm investing time getting closer to people, topics, issues, history, anything that I can to make sure we're moving forward in the right direction.
0: And as you're going through this, do you have a, a process that you're following? Do you have certain questions that you're asking? Or is it just truly just listening and hearing what people have to say?
1: So I am fortunate because usually I'm on the other end of podcasts like this or interviews where I'm preparing and doing a lot of the questions. So, um, and then also I broadcast basketball games and if you want to, talk about communicating on your feet and thinking on your feet like you don't know what's coming on the next play and you do that possession after possession right it's going to build up your skills so I have a couple things that maybe I write down initial questions but it's mostly listening to the cues and Mm -hmm. following up on that from a system standpoint you know I have a whole series of folders like I'm an old school guy and make sure that those things are organized make sure I have one-on-one meetings with every single person Mm -hmm. who's on our leadership team for an hour or longer than that making sure we have standing meetings that make sure we aren't going to, you know, grow far apart. Again, if there's no substitute for a competent person getting closer, well, there's no substitute for having a scheduled meeting every week to make sure that you're going to be able to stay on track like that. So I don't have it scripted out per se, but I'm I always have a notebook with me. I'm always taking notes, I'm underlining things, jotting down next question uh, I need to ask so I don't forget, um, and can really follow up and drill down uh, on things.
0: So I know a lot of our listeners believe in a regular cadence of meetings, one-on-one meetings, weekly team meetings. Um, But I also know that there's a lot of people, a lot of leaders out there who say, I don't have time for one-on-one meetings every week or every other week. What would your rebuttal be to that?
1: That I used to be one of those people. (laughs) <laughs> until I had a very competent operations manager and said, you, you can run on your own. Like, I know you're good. I thought I was giving her a compliment by essentially only when you need something, you come to me. But I got so far away from her. And then the person who was reporting to her that I had a plan of, oh, here's something that we can do that was gonna require more labor on their part. And they were like, how out of touch are you with yeah. what I'm doing? And we overloaded, I overloaded them uh, on labor. I had a plan to overload them on labor. And one of them just like broke down in front of me, I'm like, "Where in the world did this come from?" Yeah. Well, I got my answer uh, pretty quick, and so you may think that everything is going okay, and you don't have the time for it, but there's something festering underneath. You've got to make sure you, you, you know, the most important thing in your organization is your people. And so it, you've got to, you know, first things first, spending time with your people is the number one thing you have to do and give people as much as they need, right? And so some people, it might be every other week, but you can't just say, we'll cross that bridge and we get to it because that bridge is going to be on fire and you're going to be out of luck at that point.
0: Yeah. And it's just kind of, my response to that is a leader's number one responsibility is to lead, Right? Like that's your title. You are a leader. Your number one job is to lead. The way you lead, you need to be in connection and in contact with your people. To your point, if you're not communicating with them, you're not talking with them, there's no way you can know what's going on. And you have no idea what's underneath the surface. Even with one on ones, they might not be completely transparent and open with you, but you have a lot higher probability of hearing what's truly going on and being closer to the situation if you're having these regular one on ones. Well said. Genius genius so of the things that we've talked about today what do you think the most important message is for leaders out there regarding leadership transitioning uh, listening tours you know any of the concepts that we've talked about what's that one key takeaway you want listeners to hear
1: I'd say it's almost an overarching thing I would say raise your standards in terms of for the volume and the quality of work that you can perform or the skills that you can learn or the quality of people that you can hire, or the expectations you can give them, right? And don't just go and raise their standards, raise their skills, and then you'll be able to raise the standards. And it goes back to what you just said. If you're not investing time, not just talking to your people but developing your people working together iron sharpens iron and raising each other's standards you're not going to like the outcome they have long term and they're not going to like it long term either so raise your expectations in what you can do and what your people can do and then aim for that and work towards that and uh, don't settle for second
0: yeah i love that i think my key takeaway from what you said is embrace critical thinking Um, don't don't teach and hold people to the step-by-step, expect them and teach them and ask them to think through things, never assume, um, kind of being that neutral, that neutral, um, person being, you know, Switzerland in the situation, um, and allowing people to, to think and act on their own. And that's, as you look at high performers, your key a players, that's what they want to do right? They're right. capable and they want to be able to think outside the box and push and push the envelope in situations. And that's a really great way to retain our top people is by allowing them some autonomy and thinking for themselves because they're smart, brilliant, bright people um, that are very capable and we need to allow them to, to do their thing. Amen. So, yeah. My key takeaway there so i have kind of a, a fun bonus round of questions here kind of rapid fire style so i'm gonna i'm gonna fly through these and I'm very curious to hear your thoughts so our first question is if you could have coffee with any historical figure who would it be and why
1: i'm a huge john wooden fan the legendary basketball coach at ucla and legendary uh leader and so he was like and i just read a book on him that's like you know, two inches thick. It's huge. But uh, he has like an incredible blend of humility. And he was a fierce competitor. And I regret he's uh, he passed away now. But I learned after he passed away, he would go to a diner every morning. And if anybody wanted to sit and talk with him, he would do that. And I was always like, oh, I could have had coffee with him." So yeah, so John wouldn't.
0: (laughs) I love that. Um, What's an insult that you've received that you're proud of?
1: Uh, Somebody said to me one time, you're the kind of person who organizes your closet based by shirt color. And my response was, well, how else would you organize it? And then I realized like, oh, you're making fun of me. Now I see. (laughs) I'm
0: with you. I do the same thing. I organize mine by it's first by like short sleeve by color, long sleeve by color, sweaters by color. So, yes,
1: I'm with you right back at you.
0: We got that going Um, on the flip side. What's the best compliment you've ever received?
1: Uh people saying to me because I've had a couple job transitions right out of Jameson publishing out of, uh, you know, the, the full time coaching world is for those individuals to say that you had an impact. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they can speak in specifics. A lot of people just say that to be nice, but people could talk really specifically about the impact that uh, that I had, and not just from a business standpoint. I had one employee who said to me a conversation I had totally forgotten about from four years before she was going to she was pregnant, first time mother, and I gave her the confidence to say, you're going to be fine, right? Like knowing you, knowing other people who have raised kids, you're going to be fine. And she really remembered that conversation. I didn't even remember the conversation. Yeah. And she just said what a big difference that made. So again, as a leader, if you spend time with people, you can have either a positive impact or a negative impact. So hearing that, those are the, those are the best compliments, no doubt.
0: And this goes back to your superpower It's because you can listen because you don't assume, right, you're not making assumptions and you're actually listening to people. And when you do that, you get to know them better, understand them better and can respond better to them and have a greater impact. So I think that's yeah, that makes perfect sense that you heard that as a as a compliment. Um, best tip for making this world a better place.
1: I'd say keep your head on a swivel uh, to help other people. And I actually have on my office on three, I have this quote on three Mm -hmm. different walls. It's from John Fetterman, who's actually the Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania. He's like six foot eight, you know, three giant of a man, you know, 300 pounds. But he says, if you're good, help someone else get to good. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I always think if you're good in some area, you don't keep that all to yourself. You've got to help somebody else get to good as well. That's the investment. That to me is our role and responsibility as leaders.
0: That's awesome. That's a great way, I think, to end the podcast. And I think invest in your people, invest by listening, um, hear people out, help people get better, right? Don't just help yourself get better, help others get better. That's going to help you in turn get better without even trying. So I think that's a, a super way to end. So I know that people will be curious to get in touch with you, to get your books. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they have questions and how do they find your books?
1: Sure. If you want to learn more about the RSPA, you can just go to gorspa.org. So gorspa.org. You can email me at jroddy, J-R-O-D-D-Y, at gorspa.org. And then both my books, Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer uh, and The Walk-On Method to Career and Business Success are both available on Amazon. And if you want an autographed copy, just email me and I'm more than happy to uh, arrange that for you.
0: Awesome. We'll make sure we include those links and links to your books in the show notes as well. Jim, I wanna thank you for coming on the podcast. It was an honor to have you on our show. I know listeners are taking a lot away from this and are going to find one little nugget. That's always our goal is for listeners to find one nugget of advice, something that they can do differently, think differently, shift their perspective on how they approach leadership and how they can make an impact on the people that are around them and the organizations that they're in. So thank you very much. For being on the show.
1: Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk with Chelsea.
0: All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers, it truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.